Welcome back to Creston in the Afternoon. Tom Nash filling in for Al today on this wonderful Veterans Day as we remember the contributions of the men and women who have served in the military and continue to do so. Well, in our next segment, we're going to talk about excommunication, and it's not necessarily what you think, or it's more than what you think you might say. Uh, oftentimes, people think of it that excommunication is you can't receive communion, but Jimmy Aiken, the senior apologist at Catholic Answers, author of such books as The Drama of Salvation and The Bible is a Catholic Book, is here to talk to us and tell us that there's a lot more to with excommunication. Jimmy, what do people get? By the way, welcome to the program. And what do people get right and wrong about excommunication? Well, they get right the fact that you're not allowed to receive communion if you're excommunicated, but that's only a part of the picture, and it's not what excommunication actually is. Mm. It's understandable that people would think that uh, because, you know, it makes sense if you're ex communicated, well, yeah. that would make sense. Either you've been kicked out of communion with the Church, or you're not allowed to receive the Eucharist, Eucharistic communion, or something like that. Um, but uh, but that's not actually what the term is. Terms um, change in meaning yes. over time, and mm-hmm. so you can't just look at the origin of a word to figure out what it means. If it did, if you could do that, then the word nice which comes from the Latin word necius, would mean ignorant or foolish, because mm. that's what necius means. But that's not what the word nice means. If you tell your wife she's wearing a nice dress, you better not mean it's ignorant <laughs> or foolish. No, that wouldn't be helpful to uh, one's uh, marital life. What would you say for people, it's like, wh- why do we even have excommunication, and what does that entail according to the 1983 code, which is the most recent and current code of the canon law. Yeah, so basically excommunication is a kind of ecclesiastical penalty. It's a church penalty, and it's known as, um, it's sometimes referred to as a remedial or medicinal penalty. It's designed to help people. It's not designed just to punish them. It's actually designed to wake someone up Mm to the fact that they're doing something that's really a problem, and they they need to repent of that. They need to stop whatever it is they've been doing. And this is something that goes all the way back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see this principle, for example, in St. Paul's letters to the Corinthians, where there was a particular member of the Corinthian church who was engaging in some sexually immoral behavior that St. Paul says not even pagans do this, because what the guy was doing was sleeping with his stepmother. Mm. And St. Paul indicated this is a huge problem, and you need to discipline this guy so that he can realize how bad what he's doing is. And then once he's done that, once he's repented, you welcome him back and you console him and you forgive him and so forth. But he needs to be woken up to what he's doing. And that principle has taken different forms in church law down through the ages, but that's the basic principle behind excommunication. If someone's doing something really bad, then they they may be subject to excommunication, and then there are certain effects that excommunication has that uh, are meant to help wake them up to what they're doing so they can repent and be fully reconciled. And what would some of those additional penalties be 
that, uh, for example, someone who is formally excommunicated um, would undergo or endure to get their attention, wake them up? There are a number of them. Most of them apply to, or many of the effects apply in particular to clerics, to like priests and deacons, mm-hmm. um, because they have a broader life in the church. They, uh, you know, they celebrate the sacraments and so forth. So, for example, if an ordinary person is excommunicated, he's not allowed to receive the Eucharist or the other sacraments. But in the case of, like, a priest, he's not only not allowed to receive them, he's also not allowed to celebrate them for other people. And so that would be one difference between how excommunication can affect ordinary people versus uh, versus clerics. Some of the other things also apply in particular to clerics, like they have uh, authority, for example, a pastor will have authority in his parish, to make certain decisions, and if he's been excommunicated, then he won't have that ability anymore. Um, some of this gets into kind of technical waters, but the basic thing that will impact most people if they're excommunicated is they're not able to receive the sacraments, including the Eucharist. But that doesn't mean they're kicked out of the church. No, and, and also, most, I'm sorry, continue. That they're well, not kicked they out. most definitely are are not kicked out of the church. That is not one of the effects that uh, excommunication has in canon law. If you read the canons on the effects of excommunication, that's just not there. And so you're still a Catholic, you're still a Christian, you're not kicked out of the church, your baptism is not undone. If you're excommunicated, you just are having kind of an ecclesiastical timeout to help you understand what's happening and what you need to do to fix the situation. And, for example, uh, God forbid I'm excommunicated, I could not uh, go be a lector as I currently am. I couldn't hold certain offices because that itself could cause further scandal, could it not? If I were doing something that warranted an excommunication, which if that were the case, I would have done something probably publicly scandalous, and therefore allowing me to read at the Mass would be um, further of a problem. Right. That's one of the effects of excommunication is a person cannot have any ministerial participation in Mass or in other liturgies. So if you're a lector, you couldn't be a lector. If you're an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, you couldn't distribute Holy Communion and so forth. And is it not true that with excommunication, these these penalties, of course, being medicinal, it points out that our temporal life points to a larger eternal uh, destiny, heaven or hell, and on the way to heaven, possibly purgatory, but that the Church takes this very seriously because it's impacting eternal souls, especially when it's regarding leaders. And I think of the whole thing with um, Beckett, you know, the great movie in which uh, um, Peter O'Toole's uh, King Henry II is uh, excommunicated at one point by um, St. Thomas Becket, who becomes the Archbishop. It, it, you know, it gets people's attention, or whether it was King Henry VIII uh, in um, you know, several centuries later, that it's to point out, it's like, wait a second, you're going astray, you need to get their attention, and not just for their attention, but also so that others aren't led astray, yes? Yeah, and that goes all the way back to St. Paul writing to the Corinthians. The reason that he's concerned about uh, this gentleman who was engaged in sexual immorality is because it's affecting that guy's soul, and it also was causing scandal to uh, to the other Corinthians. That's another aspect of this, 
is not only is it meant to wake up the person to their need to repent, it's also meant to warn the rest of the community that this behavior is not acceptable and it will endanger you and your salvation. I guess that could also bring a distinction between a latte sententiae, uh, you know, automatic excommunication, where if somebody's done something, God forbid, like an abortion, uh, and the church trying to take a st- strong stand on that because, unfortunately, the world is not, but that if somebody might not know about that, it may be between a person and, and their their priest, but when you have a what a ferende sentencia that that's needed to make it public because there has been some kind of a it's be it's become more known the wrongdoing yes so you refer to a couple of different uh ways that excommunication can take effect the first is what's sometimes called late sententiae excommunication it's also sometimes called automatic mm-hmm. excommunication and in this kind of excommunication if a person knowingly and deliberately does the the act, whatever it may be, and you mentioned having abortion, um, then the excommunication would take effect just automatically. On the other hand, there's what's known as a ferende sententiae excommunication, which is sometimes called an imposed or declared yes. excommunication. And this is where the bishop uh, takes the initiative to impose it or declare it by a judicial sentence. And so it's not automatic in that case. It doesn't happen automatically. There has to be a court procedure in the church, which the bishop ends up giving a ruling on and then imposing or declaring the excommunication. But um, there are a lot of things, and, and the difference between those is not necessarily uh, the gravity or the seriousness of the offense, mm. uh, although that is related. But um, one thing that people should be aware of, especially regarding abortion, because yes. um, abortion is very common in our society, and a lot of people have no idea that there's an excommunication attached to it. And so if we mention, yes, there is one for for abortion, people may be afraid, well, does that mean I'm excommunicated? Because years and years ago, when I wasn't practicing my faith, I did this, or yes. I was involved in an abortion, or something like that. And the answer is no. There are a whole bunch of um, conditions that will prevent an automatic excommunication from taking effect. And one of them is simply not knowing yeah. that, there was a, that there was an excommunication attached to this offense. So even if someone did have an abortion, if they didn't know that there was an excommunication attached to that, that person is not excommunicated, and they don't need to worry on that score, although they would, if they haven't already, need to go to confession. Yes, and you make some further good distinctions, Jimmy, and thank you for doing so about that. The you know full knowledge, complete consent, that there are three parts to a mortal sin, not just the matter, you know, the choice involved, but the knowledge and, and the consent to which you make that choice. And so people need to realize that if they have something done gravely wrong, that, um, well, it's always good to err on the side of caution, as you say, go to confession, but not to write somebody else off and to think, hey, they're gone or whichever, and also not to, to fall into despair and think that you've done something that can't be forgiven because our Lord, after all, even when we speak about, aside from, um, our, our Lord is a good shepherd, and the excommunication or any other penalty of that nature, of a medicinal nature, is to get people to reconcile. So it's 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 showing our our Lord is through his church, reaching out as the good shepherd. 
And we should mention uh, a little bit about how, if someone has been excommunicated, how mm. does that get removed? Yes. Um, well, it, it depends on the crime they committed. I mean, one of the things that there is an excommunication for is a physically attacking the Pope. Yes. So if you physically attack the Pope, well, then you're going to need to get the Pope himself to lift that excommunication under ordinary circumstances. But for most things, um, it, it, all you need to do really is go to confession and explain what you've done. And the priest can either absolve you and lift the penalty of excommunication right there, or he may need to check with the bishop and get the bishop involved. But that's the basic step, just going to confession, explaining what's happened, and and the priest can take it from there. Um, also, in cases where uh, where a person is dying or where there's urgent necessity, the priest himself can do it. Even if you had attacked the Pope, if you're about to die or if it's not possible to reach the Pope and there's an urgent necessity, the priest himself can just do it. So the Church makes sure that there's always the ability to give mercy to those who have repented. Showing again that our Lord is the one, the good shepherd, who goes out and looks for the lost sheep and, and continues that ministry through his uh, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Jimmy, how can people stay, away, uh, stay in touch with you? They can uh, go to Catholic.com, where I work at Catholic Answers, or they can check out my personal website, JimmyAkin.com. Thank you very much, Jimmy, for joining us. The essay article is Excommunication. It's not what you think. You can read it at Catholic.com. Back in a moment. 